Hey, before we start the pod, this is Chance. Wanted to say a quick and sincere thank you to our buddy Michael Todd for recording a terrific cover of an aptly themed song for this podcast. He starts it around the 43-minute mark. Thank you, Michael. You are the best. Well, you can talk about films with a philosopher's zeal or measure them all by box office appeal. But for once in your life, be real. Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode three of Be Real Guys. Be Real Guys, episode three: colon, Tokyo Drift. Love that. I. I'm Chance Solon Pfeiffer. I'm Noah Ballard, and I'm coming to you from. Where are you coming from? Where Where are you today, Chance? I'm coming from Lincoln, Nebraska, back uh, back home from the last Brooklyn episode. Where are you? I'm in uh, Lawrenceville, New Jersey, uh, recovering from a weekend in Bethesda, Maryland. So, Chance, did you know that we've hit a new echelon as a podcast? We We now have a sponsor. Should we pause for a message from that sponsor? Yeah, I'm going to read their spot. Be Real Guys is brought to you today by Casey's Bathtub Gin. Are you tired of your garden variety bathtub gin? You know, the one that your roommate in college still makes to make ends meet? Well, you're in luck. Artisanally distilled in a basement somewhere near 26 and Holdridge in Lincoln, Nebraska, Casey's Bathtub Gin is a must for bathtub gin connoisseurs and general sad fucks alike. And here's the best part. Without middlemen, expensive distribution, or FDA approval, Casey's Bathtub Gin is the cheapest hooch there is. Find Casey's at a shitty house party near you. And I'm sure Casey will give you a free shot when you mention the promo code. God damn it, Casey. Casey's bathtub, Jen, because at least he's using that tub for something. Chance, what's the topic for today? What's the genre we picked? I think we set, we went through a couple different iterations of like really specific car-based movies, but we couldn't find three that we wanted to watch that totally fit the bill. So we settled on... I think we settled on the uh, the umbrella of just general, like, uh, automotive hubris. What uh, The movies we picked are The Fast and the Furious. Um, the original. The original, with, with, the, uh, with the articles in place. Um, yep. Drive, with Ryan Gosling. And yep. our uh, contemporary one, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> contemporary, even though it came out 11 years before Drive. Right. Uh, no, I think that the one that gives us sort of a topical context is Fast and the Furious, which I was, uh, there's the seventh iteration of Fast and the Furious, um, which we weren't going to see, but then I accidentally saw it this afternoon. So I feel like that brings a whole another level to this. How was it? Do you want to start with that one? Yeah, let's start with that one. Uh, Fast and the Furious 7, or just Furious 7, I guess is the title. Um, oh, here's a here's a challenge uh, to both those of you at home and to Chance right now. Can you name me all seven titles of the Fast and the Furious films? I can get and and I need a hundred like you need a hundred percent. I'm going for a hundred percent accuracy here. Okay, can I try it? Oh, you go for it. I don't think I can do it. I'm going to look it up on IMDb right now. 
All right, so it's The Fast and the Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. There you go. Fast and the Furious, colon, Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. Fast and Furious. You're, you're on it. Fast Five. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Is it Fast and Furious 6? It is Fast and Furious 6. And then Furious 7. And then just simply Furious 7, yes. Oh, man. But nice job. I'll, that was pretty great. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I, the, the seventh one um, is great. If you like the sort of like the later, weirder, sort of like not real world world that the Fast and the Furious has entered by like the last three, four films. Um, right but on. if you're a fan of the, because I had never seen, my weird thing was I had seen every single Fast and the Furious movie except for the original Ask any racer, any real racer. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Well, let's talk about this for a second since we're talking about The Fast and the Furious. Do you think it's like it could have had it not been directed by somebody like Rob Cohen who did Triple X? Could that have been like a legitimate movie? Like a traffic level, like, I mean, maybe not even traffic. That's not really an action movie, but like. um, (laughs) That's aiming pretty high. Maybe like a uh, training day level action movie. Yeah, I kind of buy it, like with but without the acting chops. Um, yeah, right. Well, I buy, yeah, I buy that because yeah. I think I was I was actually pretty. If we want to kind of get into it about what we liked, I think I was pleasantly surprised with how straightforward it was, and because I think the reputation of the last three films kind of begins to precede the entire franchise how like not really self-aware it was it was kind of just like young actors trying to be serious and that kind of worked it it, i i think that's a really like apt assessment of the fast and the furious it it's trying and that's what i respect (laughs) about it right paul walker is doing like a bad mark hamill doing like a bad luke skywalker in some of this, like the first half of this movie, he's just like, what's that? Hey, who were they? What was that? What's that flashing? And Vin yeah. Diesel's like, you need to take it the fuck easy a little bit, man. Yeah, and even like Jordana Brewster is sort of like comically bad. Well, let's talk about the basic plot structure of this movie, All right. which is pretty easy. Yeah, <laughs> it is pretty easy. It's undercover cop Paul Walker hangs out with Vin Diesel, who's like maybe he may be stealing these shipments from these trucks so the they've planted somebody undercover to figure out like if it's him and then the hijinks ensue right so he um, i mean his first action paul walker as an undercover police person like trying to take down like a pretty big time criminal is he immediately just inappropriately starts hitting on his sister yeah, that's like well, the that's natural, the that's the police academy handbook, man. That's the natural entry point for Paul Walker. Is like, well, <laughs> I'm gonna get a job at like sort of like an advanced auto parts level store, and then I'm just gonna hit on this guy's sister, and maybe you know, in another act, he'll start telling me like whether or not he's doing anything illegal. What do you you if I can if I can put it out, out there for a second? You messaged me before we were gonna do this podcast and said you were gonna take a bold position on this movie. What, what is it? I'm going to say that this movie, for me, is... Wait, well, let's explain the grading system first. Also, because okay, I've forgotten yeah, what it is. 
We'll remind people. So we have four categories you can go into. Good, good means that it is high quality and high watchability. Good, good would be like The Departed. Bad, bad is like, and we're just spitballing here. White chicks. There you go. <laughs> Somebody who listened uh, to the podcast last week told me that they thought White Chicks was like a bad movie but watchable. And I tell them, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Thanks for listening, though. And then uh, Bad Good is a movie that is of low quality but highly watchable. Like That's Bad uh, Good? Yeah, like any number of uh, of Kurt Russell films. Or yeah, uh, really and, anything and then... that uh, Bruce McGill is in. <laughs> <laughs> and then good bad is uh a high you know high well made but uh you know i don't really want to watch it like i don't really want to sit down and watch that that's ever. good bad that's good bad i the bold position i'm gonna take on the fast and the furious is that it is good bad oh really yes i'm gonna well say- made not watchable I think it is, like, ultimately a well-made movie. Like, the stakes are pretty high. Like, the characters developed, like, okay. Like, they have enough of, like, who they are to, like, to get into it. But I honestly just, like, I think there's, like, sort of, like, this painful, like, datedness to it. And it's like, oh, (laughs) what's hard to, like, take those earlier ones seriously retroactively. So I feel like because I have seen it, like, I appreciate the history, having seen the later ones. But Mm -hmm. I just don't think it is aged into a place that it is like that watchable. It's like kind of boring. This movie, like for me, it feels like it was written by a like very of the time, like nineties writer, but I feel like Mm -hmm. it's directed like such an eighties movie. And like, I even noticed in this, I don't know why like this like came up for me, but like even like the transitional, scenes have this weird like 80s like cop movie like guitar lick you know what i'm talking about like and it's like as we like pan (laughs) like like, over los angeles like like it's it's it just feels like it's i don't know there's like this very aged quality about it let's go for a little ride Like I don't know how do you how do you like chronicle like Vin Diesel's career really, like he sort of started out serious and then got ridiculous and then kind of went back to serious and then like now he only appears in sequels of movies that were dumb. Well, see, this is the interesting thing, and I think it goes back to what I was talking about with like young actors like tr- being kind of earnest about what was going on. Boiler Room's only like a year before this. Knock Around Guys actually yeah, comes same, out after this. Private Ryan. Is only two years before this. Oof. Like, yeah, I like think I'm he saying, probably he started out strong and then was like, wait, how much can I get paid to do this car movie? Fine. I, I still, but I think that he's still thinking about this movie probably kind of how he thought about the other ones. His sort of like, you know, his sort of. Well, well that's what I'm saying. Like, Boiler Room, it could have been a Boiler Room like level movie, I think, had it not had like a ridiculous studio behind it trying to make like a shit ton of money. Yeah, which leads um, me to my question for you, Chance. Which, how yeah. does one get invited to a street race? <laughs> like, how do you hear about um, it? Is there like a Facebook like invite? Like, wh- wh- how do you how do you hear about it? Because there were hundreds of people at all these events. 
Is this right? All and they were yet they were so surprised when the cops showed up at the end, as though this doesn't happen like every Friday at ten thirty. Right. I mean, are we talking about like a weekly thing, or is it like a big deal? I don't know, man. I think you just stake out your local tuna sandwich diner and hope for the best. Oh, you mean tuna sandwich diner slash like garage? Right. Slash mechanics office. Right. Interesting. I tell you, what was your favorite moment of this movie, Chance? My favorite moment of this movie? I think, uh, you know, I really liked the really out of place um, montage where the uh, the the radio hard rock song Debonair by Dope plays when they arrest the uh, the little Saigon gang. Oh yeah, I like that. Um, there was no other audio. That, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I found that to be horribly out of place, but like very entertaining. Um, and they had to like slip in that little bit about like old world Asian patriarchy when uh, uh, Rick Yoon's dad slaps him for shaming the family. Oh, I like that moment. Another like racial cliche. Exactly. Yours? My favorite was like at the like climax of the initial street race where Vin Diesel and Paul Walker uh you know face off for pinks. Um there's that Pizza Hut guy that shows up trying to like <laughs> cross over the path and the, uh, the guys the like find another route pizza guy. <laughs> Yeah, they say, yeah, find another out pizza guy. And he looks at, like, the guy with such disdain and goes, goddamn street racers. <laughs> I found that really funny because that kind of screamed the movie's PG-13 status. Like, you can't you can't really get into it with the vulgarities. So you just kind of yell at people what they are doing. <laughs> right. And it was, it was a great product placement, too. <laughs> That's true. What would you call this movie, Chance? I think I would call it... A, a little a little bad like bad good a low quality kind of you don't you don't think that there was like for its time maybe it was like somewhat visionary i think that the special effects are probably pretty decent i mean like one of the things i wanted to talk about as we kind of move forward is because we're talking about automotive hubris like in what movies do you actually like feel the cars in a physical way mm-hmm. and in this one you definitely do compared to like gone in 60 seconds which was more like someone being like crank up that engine audio would you um yeah you actually get the you get the feeling of uh sort of muscle cars and race cars doing their thing in this one so you do Um, give it that i do give it that i guess i just didn't really have that many strong feelings about this movie it was kind of bad good Yeah. Uh, yeah that's where i land so yeah, interesting. Do you think Ja Rule's involvement in this film was so he could <laughs> was so he could sing the song Too Fast, Too Furious? Or no, not, not um, Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, so Fast, So Furious. Or do you think that that song had already been recorded and they're like, well, you already recorded that song. You can play this bit part. Dude, I think he went to the makers of this movie, said, if you want me in this movie, I want... The Cool J Deal from Deep Blue Sea. Interesting. And that's exactly what he got. I want to sing the title. I want to rap the title in a song in the credits. That's essentially the title song. Before we move on to another one, can I just sort of pose a question? And maybe we can revisit this at the end of the podcast. By all means. Don't you think that all these people sort of like live in like an interesting sort of 
oppressive poverty in in all three that of these movie films. or in all of them in all of them <sighs> definitely gone in 60 seconds in the fast and the furious um but even in drive I like the dude's like way he... in debt and like i mean why don't we move on to drive you want to do drive yeah okay i think he like just chooses to live in obscurity well no no i'm not talking about the driver i'm talking about like um the uh, shannon yeah shannon like he's like wearing debt and he's like always borrowing money but these guys are like doing illegal things so it's like this sort of weird world that i feel like all like all these three movies all exist within that same sort of world and that's why i like sort of about like automotive hubris and that's why i like it as like an overall genre mm-hmm. because it's like it it focuses on these like specifically three men who just play by their own rules but these yeah. rules have kept them from like finding success in like mainstream society i think that's a great point i think they're all like choosing to live on the edge and in some ways like live through their cars because, yeah. because in every so, movie in yeah, every so... movie like the straight life leads these people nowhere if i drive for you you give me a time and a place i give you a five minute window anything happens in that five minutes and i'm yours no matter what i don't sit in while you're running it down i don't carry a gun i drive so drive guys which you've definitely seen drive so oh, yeah we don't have to say that much about it it's the 2011 movie by Nicholas Winding Refn. The Is it winding Danish... or winding? I always say like winding in my mind when I read him. No, I, I say winding. Danish director of uh, such movies as Only God Forgives, Valhalla Rising, Bronson. He's known for uh, hyper-stylized violence. Um, and he's known for casting Ryan Gosling as of late. So. And, like, and what better thing could he do for his movie? Than to cast Gosling. Gosling's incredible in this movie. He is really good. He's just um, good in like in life and in acting. And it's kind of funny because I think like when I when I think about this movie in my head, I think about what Gosling does as really kind of easy. Like, yeah, right, he just doesn't say much and he stands around and he looks beautiful. But he does bring a certain like kind of fun behind the eyes thing to this movie that if he were truly just sort of stone-faced would be so boring like i love the the part in the movie where uh carrie mulligan brings her car to cranston's garage and he's just like oh a kid can give you a ride home and he just kind of like looks at her for a second and he's like yeah i can uh my car my car doesn't have any wheels though and like they both just think it's the cutest joke and it's like really a nice moment like there yeah. is some real subtlety to what he does in this movie. It's a we're going to fuck later moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they never do. No, but they like they kind of like fuck on like an emotional level, don't they? Listen, here's my here's my theory on Reffin movies, which uh, I mean, if you watch Only God Forgives, like it pretty much explicitly lays this out for you. Like, uh, you know, nobody, no beautiful people have sex in these movies because like the only sex in these movies is violence. Like that's basically how oh, in Reffin's in Reffin's like weird world, like that's how people get off. In fact, as I was developing this theory, the famous elevator scene happens where the guy Gosling knows the guy next to him is about to get him. He pushes Carrie Mulligan back to safety, gives her a passionate like smooch as like uh, 
chill wave music is playing um which is like the foreplay and then like really in like an oddly carnal rhythm smashes this guy's face in with his shoe and then kind of like sheepishly looks at carrie mulligan like i just finished like like this i i could not help but read it that way that was Um, like the grossest thing you've ever said and i loved it i'm sorry man like Refn Refn did this by making these sexy gory movies. Yeah, I tell you, go back I, and watch that scene and tell me that Gosling is not saying with his face like, "I'm sorry, that wasn't better for you." <laughs> Instead, I kicked that guy's face in. Oh my god! You know, he walked into my shop here about five or six years ago, uh, right out of the blue, asking for a job. So I put him to the test, see what he can do. Kid's amazing. So I hire him on the spot. Boom. At about half the wages I normally pay. He didn't blink an eye. How, how do cars, how do we see cars playing into this movie? We only ever know Gosling as, by the name The Driver. Right. Based on the, was uh, it Richard Salas book? I think J- James or John. James Salas, you're right. Yeah. But in the It's same almost way, like, I can, I, violence... can I venture something out a little bit loftier? Yeah, go ahead. I feel like in this movie specifically, and maybe in all the movies, cars are like on the same level as like an instrument, and these the the characters we're focusing on like are just like concert level musicians of this particular instrument. Mm. Yeah, I buy that. Like they've spent so much time with it, they can only like they enjoy talking about it most in a way that's like really kind of spiritual and metaphorical. But I mean, like, watching, like, Ryan Gosling drive in that opening scene, like, where he's hiding yeah. from the police, yeah. is, like, the same, like, almost reaction I got, like, when I saw, like, the end of Whiplash. Have you ever seen that? Totally. It's, like, here is someone doing something really, really well, and I could never do it that well, and this is amazing. That's got to go on the all-time list of, like, memorable opening sequences it's so yeah, fantastic it's like every, every time i watch the it chase. like and it's there's so every much time i watch attention. it i'm i'm always floored that he ends up in the staples center garage like i always forget about that yeah like i don't know how many i think probably seen this movie like five or six yeah. times and it's always just like it's so cool that he's listening to the game on the radio and then every time it's a rediscovery of like oh shit <laughs> he's going to la live so he can park when the basketball game lets out I love the character. We know little or nothing about him, yet he has this depth. Do you think that's acting, or do you think that was in the writing? I think a little acting, but I think probably good writing around the character, too, having not read the book. See, I, think I disagree you immediately... with you. What's that? I think it's only acting. I think this is, like, a terrible, terrible script. And it's, like, the exact opposite of the uh the fast and the furious it's a movie that like or maybe they they could have started at similar places but this one was just taken to the exact opposite extreme i think this is like a pretty mediocre action movie sort of bowed up into something that it it just works on an aesthetic level more than it it's not an interesting story i guess partially i'll come with you part of the way there because that's kind of how i feel about only God Forgives, which I really like, which not very many oh, people do. Oh, that movie's do. terrible. I like that movie. Um, but you, I am so taken with the 
cinematic sort of sensory experience that were going on that I like that I never stopped to think about like A, B, and C of the plot, which in like right, which is kind of absurdly simple in in those movies. Right, but I'm saying like had you know had Jerry Bruckheimer gotten attached to this movie, it would have just <laughs> been like a really dumb action movie, right? Yeah. So that yeah. I think that kind of proves my point that the script isn't that great. And it's just the the acting and then like the interesting shots and the incredible soundtrack. I can't really pull them apart like good. that. I feel like the I feel like the acting and the script are totally like part of the aesthetic. I can't pull them apart like that. Okay. The fact how little Gosling talks and like how much like other people tend to ramble, like people with weakness. Yeah. Um I think it's all all wrapped up in okay. Reffin's like weird take on like violent morality and punitive punitive sure. morality too. Okay. Can I want to get out one last thing that I love okay. that this movie is like aware of other movies in the one great Albert Brooks line where he's kind of like uh spilling his life story to the driver yeah and he says like i used to make action movies in the 80s sexy stuff you know one critic called them european i thought they were (laughs) shit (laughs) which i think is great um yeah well albert brooks playing against type that's nice yeah yeah he was and he's good in this movie i'm saying the acting is like incredible in this film and you have like really like actors at the top of their game but I just yeah. think if you had gone, like, one rung lower, like, if you had gotten, like, a Jake Gyllenhaal or something, this movie would have been terrible. Dad, I want you to meet Mr. Bernie Rose. My hands are a little dirty. So am I. You're really right. I Last thing I'll say about it, um, unless you have anything else, is I really like the version of... Um, okay, so I think that, like, kind of like we talked about, The Fast and the Furious presents like a sort of um like urban streetwise version of LA. I think that Gone in 60 Seconds presents like a meth head's nightmare of LA. <laughs> and I think that <laughs> I think that I really like what Drive does for LA aesthetically. Like I am immediately associating the driver with kind of like this sleek behind the window pane yeah. um emptiness. Yeah. And I think that's a really kind of um, an understated take, if like a really overstated, um, yeah, kind of aesthetic thing. How dare you say such a thing about <laughs> Gone in sixty seconds, um, dude? I wait, hold on. We got to say what we think uh, Drive is, and then we can argue. Because I think we are going to argue. This is going to be, ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. So buckle up. Uh, yeah. Drive, I would say, is probably um, good, bad. I think that's kind of where I am too. I try to watch it in like very. I feel like if you put me in a movie theater, I'd be just as amazed by this movie as I was when it came out. I think if you give it a cold light of day watch, there yeah. are definitely more than a few moments where it's just like, let's let's get going. Yeah, and it's also just it gets to a pretty dark place emotionally too. That like, I don't know if I really would want to pop it on on a Sunday afternoon while I'm trying to sweep up or something. What's so dark about it? You mean like where people's heads are on the wall and they're getting uh, 
curtain rods shoved through their vital organs. Or it's like, hey, here's a character that we've built this entire film to sort of sympathize with, and here I'm just going to cut his arms off with razor blades. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah. Anyway, how dare you say such a thing about Gone in 60 Seconds? Let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. I'm going to have to go old school. A day to shop, a day to prep. Surprise attack. Nice. Little trick I learned in the car thief retirement home. By the time the first car's reported stolen, your ship sets sail. 2001, directed by Dominic Cena, who also directed Swordfish, which has the same, like, horrifying aesthetic. (laughs) (laughs) But you go ahead, Noah. You say your piece. (laughs) Yeah, the whole movie shot in sepia, which should be noted... (laughs) oh my so the basic plot of this movie is nicholas cage a reformed car thief must return (laughs) must return to uh where is it in la long beach it's in long beach la it must return to long beach la because a new kingpin has moved into town the carpenter has hired nicholas cage's younger brother to do a boost for those not in the know, that's um, like a multiple car theft. And yeah. the brother, Kip, has like destro- like completely fucked up. And right. the carpenter's now holding Kip and saying if the cars aren't stolen by this four-day deadline, he's going to kill him. So Nicholas come ba- yep. comes back and he has to steal the cars or his brother gets killed, which is the like best setup to a movie ever. Like that's all you need, Chance. And how 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 dare you? I know you haven't said your negative opinion, but like such an incredible place to start a movie. Like, uh-huh. you know, your sibling you like left town, you know, because of like this horrible thing that happened to you and this horrible lifestyle and you had to leave to make sure that your brother wouldn't get into this life too and then you have to come back and deal with your demons and deal with people from your life that you have to like bring back together to steal 50 cars. Deal with cars. your demons? What movie were you watching? You know, like having to this reconnect wasn't Ghost Rider. With these, like, come on. <laughs> You know, deal with these characters he hasn't interacted with in, like, six years. And, like, somehow convince them that, like, they should help him steal the cars. And then they steal a bunch of cars in some really interesting, like, car chase sequences. This is the best. This, I'm going to throw it out there preemptively. Good, good. If not, great, great. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. What did you think, Chance? I don't like this movie. I found it... (laughs) I did not like this Okay, I really wanted... You know, I really wanted to like how, like, fucking crazy it was going to be. Like, I feel like that's the expectation whenever you walk into a Cage movie. Well, you know from the title sequence of this movie that it's going to be a fucking roller coaster. Oh, my God. (laughs) This movie and the original Raimi Spider-Man are two of the longest, most draining title sequences I can remember. Yeah. And then, oh, and the, those terrible, like, photoshopped photos of Nicolas Cage and Giovanni yeah, Ribisi. Young Cage. Oh, <laughs> terrible, terrible photoshop. Oh, oh man. my God. Well, speaking about, like, great performances from Drive, oh, going, <laughs> going to this movie, I have to say that, like, I think Delroy Lindo was going into this role thinking best supporting Oscar. What do you think? 
I love Lindo in this movie. He is really good, though. Um, it, it's probably the finest. It's probably the performance of a lifetime. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Come out. I get this call from his uniform, you know. Axton, very nice man, remembers everything. This man calls me up, says, guess who's back in town? I say, who? He says, Randall Reigns. I say, Randall Reigns, the car thief? He says, yeah. I say, impossible. He says, no, he's back. I say, no, he's not. He says, yes, I will bet you $200. I just saw Randall Reigns. You guys said a lot. Look. And you can tell he's, like, adding lines, I think. Like, the script oh. has, like, half the number of lines that he says, and he's just like, nope, I think I need to speak more so Alephant can speak less and give me the little golden man. But he's just, like, he's living on the edge, like, with his acting. Like, he's, like, he's all... Well, that's, like, the best part about this movie in general is that the performances are all over the place. And, like, <laughs> I don't yep. know if it's, it's... I don't know if it's script-related. I don't know if it's, like, these actors just, like... I don't know what it is, but it's like Delroy Lindo, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? God damn. God damn. Like, don't talk about my wife and like shit like that. And then you like cut over to Will Patton using just nonsense words. He's like, uh, oh my God. Look. he's like, like, uh, hey, Will Patton, like, where's my brother? Oh, it was a uh, gummit bears and Oreos. And it's like, it's but, like, like, he's adding such like such passion to these like useless lines. Like, Nicholas Cage at one point says, like, like, Will Patton, tell me, like, what we need to do to, like, save my brother. And he looks at me and goes, I need something cold to drink. And at that point, like, I didn't know if he was acting or if, like, that was a line or he, like, Will Patton in that moment simply needed something cold to drink. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I can't act for another minute without a brew, please. Um... <laughs> And I think Rabisi in his head is like having a crisis because he's about to act in a movie with Nick Cage and he can't decide whether he wants to be as weird or not (laughs) speak at all. And it results in one of like the stranger rhythmic performances that I can remember. Like sometimes you think he's forgotten his lines. Like he pours like a whole like salt shaker into a pan and like serves it to Nicolas Cage as like a meal. (laughs) That was such a weird telling sequence because like, you know that Dominic Cena thought that that was like, you know, like short story writing 101, like show right. don't tell about the right. characters. With, well, like, like that's, how he's cooking that's the here. two. Those are the two choices he made. Like on the, he, the director must have been like, make it more physical, Giovanni. So he like poured a whole like pepper shaker into a pan and then just like <laughs> didn't wash his hair for the entirety of the shooting of this film. Um, how much do you like the fact that I'm trying? I'm just trying to put sustain or. or prolong our disagreement with funny things but um how much do you like the fact that uh Rabisi just ages into being will Patton and will Patton just ages into being duval like they are all the same person with the same hair oh and, and three people and at face. different points in their lives yeah and like they just bald a little bit and put on a little weight they're all this that was like bizarre to me yeah i loved it well i also love that this movie didn't really exist like in a time like did you notice that scene where they're like they're watching baseball like really closely but it's like a it's like a game from like the 70s or something like it's not <laughs> yeah thanks thanks for doing this keep it real think slow we should get through it just fine 
Lowrider, Donnie. Donnie, Lowrider. Do you think that, how many audio editors do you think quit when they found out that they had to edit the part where Duval and Cage yell over the different car sounds trying to name what they are? Oh my god, that was incredible. But it's also like, Robert Duval plays the tape, which he has recorded himself, and then he guesses <laughs> what he had already recorded. <laughs> you made this tape, dog. Like, we, you we, know what's on we there. We would hope that you know, like, what car's on there. And can, how weird is Angelina Jolie in this movie? She's exhibit A for why I just think that, like, why was this movie full of people who are on meth? Everyone is green and emaciated <laughs> and, like, speaking twice as quickly as they should. And she's, like, 30 pounds underweight. What is... <laughs> With that yeah. hair. Another great instance, I think, of, like, Nick Cage... He's, I mean, for as weird as he is, he's been around the block, he's seen a few bad scripts in his time, he knows how to push through the part where Rabisi, where Rabisi's like, alright, so we've got four days to, like, steal these cars, like, we need to get going, we need to play some shadow games, and everyone pauses, <laughs> everyone pauses for, like, 30 seconds, like, you, Kip, like, shadow games. <laughs> Exactly. The writer, like, forgot to explain what Shadow Games is, and Nick Cage, like, winks off camera. I got you. We heard you, man. Shadow Games. Like, no, we're gonna only... We, we This is a truncated timeline. We're stealing them all on the last night for some goddamn reason. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Memphis Reigns. The legend procedure. Allie tells me the best. After you left, auto theft in the South Bay area went down 47%. Where's my brother? Me. Do you really you, think this? Can we? Can we be honest? You really think this movie is good? Good? Do you think this I movie think is this movie really has bad? An incredible good. Incredible script. It like hits all the beats it should. What on earth do you mean? What do you mean by incredible script? Villain. Listen, like the villain of the film is like a great character. There's also like the sub villain of like the guy who's basically, um, you know, the bad guy from like every the, movie. The other gangster. Right. Um, you know, who says lines like, quote, are you guys ready to play pin the tail on the donkey <laughs> as like a, a, a reference to like, he's going to hurt them. I was almost like this movie plays the, ha the heart, the heart. <laughs> I'll give it that it plays shadow games and the hard neon was like making my stomach turn by the end of it. Oh my God. I loved it. Okay. We didn't talk about timothy oliphant and the performance he decided to give for this movie which was literally singing all of his his uh, his, his lines <laughs> gotta get me some of those laser cut keys like i was like, are we <laughs> but so what do you think this movie is bad good i think this movie might be bad bad dog oh wow <laughs> wow <laughs> that is I, that is outrageous this movie is i Bad well, okay, good it's at clearly... best. Or bad good at worst. At, at best, good good. Why is it called Gone in 60 Seconds? That's that's one of the many like mysteries that I've unpacked <laughs> over the last hundred times I've watched this film. Is okay. Why is it called Gone in 60 Seconds? And it's it's one of the film's many mysteries, you know? 
I mean, like, Wait, people so you're ask saying a you lot haven't... of questions like that about David Foster Wallace, too. I mean, will we ever You're know? saying I you don't... haven't unpacked it. I'm saying that, like, I can't explain it to someone who's only seen it once. Oh, my God. You know, it's, it's... just... It, I think it represents, like, a bigger message of, like, you know, that's what you shoot for, man. And uh... Six, 60 seconds. Yeah, it is Try really interesting that then. that's like that is never referenced in the film, like being able nope. to steal a car in under a minute. Like you'd think like <laughs> that would have to be in the script somewhere. Oh my god. Oh, I remember. Where does this movie land for you on the spectrum which honestly just goes in like a terrifyingly warped circle. So not really a spectrum of Nick Cage performances. I think this movie is, like, so over the top in, like, its, like, ambition that you don't know. And, like, the other actors are willing to, like, meet him halfway as well. So you don't mm-hmm. notice how, like, weird it is. But it was definitely, like, it should have been an early warning sign of, like, things to come. Yeah. Like, Donnie, lowrider. What? <laughs> lowrider. It's like, he's you're, you're nuts. That's... <laughs> I think that's a really accurate assessment. Like, it's not like, uh, it's not like so many of the other movies he's done in the last 10 years where he, where he is trying to push up like a movie with no pulse. Like this movie, this movie is having a heart attack. (laughs) Right. And he's just one of the people having a heart attack in it. Right. Right. That's, that's a funny question though. So who do you think suffers from the biggest of these three main characters? Who do you think, or right. I guess we'll call Vin Diesel the main character of uh, God, or, uh, The Fast and the Furious, but who do you think suffers from the most automotive hubris, troubled by their own? It's not a fun answer, but I think it's Gosling, because he, the driver, which, that I mean, that should tell us something, you know that he's just going to go to another town and live the same sort of unfulfilled life where his only connection to any 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 kind of like world with a soul to it is through his car. And I think uh Dom Toretto has his family and loves his family. And Memphis Reigns uh actually willingly like gave up his association with cars. So I think it's Gosling. Interesting. I would agree. You got a fast car, I want a ticket anywhere Maybe we can make a deal, maybe together we can get somewhere Any place is better, starting from zero, got nothing to lose Hey buddy, uh, what, do we know what we're doing next? Or do we still have to hash that out? I think that's like the the ongoing mystery for our listeners is what we're going to do next week But I would encourage everyone to follow us on Twitter at BeRealGuys um, and if you have any suggestions for, uh, for topics, um, and for movies that fall into these topics, uh, please email us at berealguys at gmail.com. That's bereal, real as in film real, guys at gmail.com. Chance? Awesome. Noah? This has been such a pleasure. Always nice talking to you about movies. Good to talk to you, pal. We are gone in just under 60 minutes, probably, after I edit this. We did well. I'll see you, buddy. I'll see you. He could give. I said, somebody's got to take care of him, so I quit school. And that's what I did.
did. You got a fast car. Is it fast enough so we can fly away? We gotta make a decision. Leave tonight or live and die this way. Before us, your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder, and I, I had a feeling that I belonged. I, I had a feeling I could be someone, could be someone. 